Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is Sophia Renea, and I'm here with an amazing panel of dialed-in mystical men. Uh, but before we dig into the topic of toxic masculinity, I would like to invite you to get to know yourself a little bit better. I created a quiz that will introduce you to your particular set of spiritual gifts. It's called the Superpower Quiz, and you can take 60 seconds out of your life to get invaluable insight. Just go to superpowerquiz.us. That's superpowerquiz.us. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We are discussing with the panel, Toxic Masculinity and Are You Part of the Solution? Our panelists today are, first of all, Magic Bernstein, who's been 25 years on a shamanic journey, catalyzing healing and awakening. He's established sacred voyages, which he facilitates in Maui through personal retreats and personalized shamanic guidance. His unique approach is to create and transmit a powerful field of love and truth in which awakening, healing, and the mystical, as well as connection to the higher self is exponentially amplified. He does this in part through his shamanic storytelling style in which he transmits teachings which penetrate deep into listeners, helping them dissolve illusion and awaken to the truth of who they are, their full authentic selves. Uh, our second panelist is Jonathan Glass. He is the founder of the Jivatma Energy Healing and is also the author of The Total Life Cleanse. He's a master acupuncturist, Ayurvedic practitioner, energy healer, herbalist, natural health educator. Uh, Jonathan has served on the faculty of the New England School of Acupuncture and the Dharma Institute of Yoga and Ayurveda. He's facilitated thousands through his Jivatma Energy Healing Program and his individual and group supported transformational cleanse programs. He's been in private practice since 1987 when he co-founded the Healing Essence Center with his wife, Catherine, in Concord, Massachusetts. And we've had her as a guest on the show before as well. And finally, our third panelist is Rudy Rickstens. He's an entrepreneur, author, and international speaker. He was named a top 10 coach by Thrive Global at Business Insider and Forbes. Rudy is known globally as a disruptor of old patterns by bringing spiritual truths into everyday life, especially business. He is the co-founder of the InPower University, a platform that offers online training courses and coaching to individuals wanting to create purposeful lives. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. So Thank good to be us. here. I'm so thrilled to have you guys with me um, because there's been a lot of talk around toxic masculinity and you know overthrow the patriarchy this kind of conversation um and i think there's probably a more balanced place to be so <laughs> let, let me let me start here are men being emasculated now don't all speak at once <laughs> i i I will share that typically I am always the first to talk. And so I'm trying to practice patience. <laughs> and uh, to answer your question, I want to take just a second just to acknowledge uh, Magic and Jonathan. Uh, it's an incredible opportunity to be represented here uh, and to share your voice uh, along with mine here today. So thank you. Um, 
I think that we're not necessarily being emasculated. Uh, we're being given an opportunity to uh, change the way that we see not only ourselves, but how we interact with the world outside of us. And, you know, for years we were made to feel like a man should act or behave in a very specific way. And, you know, my work is very much seen inside of business where you look at from World War II, all of the generals from the armies came back, they went into positions in corporate America and then restructured and it became a very military dogma style approach to, to being in business. And then they fathered children and that discipline continued. And so, you know, to do a lot of business now in America and to see that within corporate America, you see the very strong cultural shift. And today we're being challenged to no longer carry that same military style of boys don't cry and you don't bring emotion into the workplace and there's no vulnerability. And so we're being challenged to now start to be vulnerable. But the beauty yeah. is that when we become vulnerable is where we start to see the true leaders start to shine. Um, and that's not necessarily men or women. It's just in general. So I think it's more of the balancing of the scales. Beautiful. So what do you think magic are men well, being emasculated <laughs> by society coming to them and saying, look, we want you to access a little bit more of your softer side as well. Absolutely not. I mean, are men being emasculated in certain contexts and situations by individuals? Of course. Yeah. But the overall call for men to step up and to embody the fullness of who they really are as a human being, rather than to be in a conditioned uh, way of being that has come down over thousands of years, which really has nothing to do with being a man and actually prevents us from being the full embodiment of our divine masculine, of our heart-based, heart-centered, real man who is vulnerable and who is willing to share his weaknesses and his fears and his doubts and to um, be forthcoming and transparent and to let go of the need to control or to have aggressive behaviors to try to overcome senses of insecurity and uh, as well as to heal the relationship directly with women and, and the condescending nature uh, that some men have that's been taught and conditioned to them and also comes out of a deep uh, wound of feeling vulnerable, but not vulnerable in a way that's actually healthy, but vulnerable in a way that has them contract against anything that could threaten them and become defensive. And so, um, you know, if you look at the history of our planet, in many ways, we've not done very well with men being in power. And it is because of this toxic masculinity, this disconnection from what's true and authentic and uh, transparent vulnerability, which brings everyone closer together and has us operate more from our hearts. So part of the transition that hopefully we're going through as a species is into men stepping into their hearts more and out of their minds, which mm -hmm. is where we've often been trained to be. So I, I welcome this fully and completely. And can it be done unconsciously? Can it be done in a way that's actually counterproductive and what someone might call emasculating? Absolutely. Totally. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. But this conversation is, is, is actually not that at all. And, and that's why I'm really glad to be here because this is a conversation that is simply bringing light to the shadow and to the places where we have our wounds that we haven't attended to as men and helping us see that and to transform that and heal that. 
And there's nothing emasculating about that. Beautiful. Jonathan, what's your insight on that particular yeah, topic? Uh, uh, really great to be with you guys uh, as well. Thank you and thanks for having me. Um, yeah, just another sort of angle or a way of another angle of this. I, I agree that, you know, the question is, are men being emasculated? Um, I think, I, I'm thinking even in terms of the continuum, there's, there, there's a process, evolutionary process, where I think maybe 10, maybe 15 years ago, it's, there was a real, it's a pendulum because there's male and female energies and everybody has male and female energies in them. Um, I'm an acupuncturist, for instance, so I'm always thinking in terms of yin and yang. Yang is typically the, you know, seen as the male energy, yin is the female energy. And um, so they're, they're different expressions of the one, you know, the one source, the one energy. And when things pendulum to one side or the other, whether it's culturally or individually, there can be a sense of instability and then sometimes confusion. So for a man that, say, is just looking at for the, you know, maybe not the first time, but an early phase of looking at, oh my gosh, I have all these feelings that I didn't think were okay to feel. I, you know, I, I always thought that these feelings were a weakness. And as they're entering into that phase of their personal development, there may be a phase that appears like it's in the masculation phase. And like Magic was saying, can it, can it distort into that? Yes, if, if they get the wrong kind of support and healing and insight, then it can be a belief that that's all of a sudden, okay, now I have to be a man that, you know, in my mind acts feminine or something like that. But that's really a, a mental concoction. It's not real healing. So as we do the real work, then again, like, like you guys were talking about, it's about becoming a real human being and really embracing both the male energy and the female energy. And the female energy, I would say, it's not you know based on a sex thing, but it's based on, you could put it in the paradigm of you know, feeling feelings, accepting feelings, getting information you know, inside from feelings rather than always making a decision first with the head and later with the feelings, but rather, you know, letting the feelings contribute fully to the moment, to the decisions, to the, the goals in life, to, you know, being in your personal power uh, means embracing both. So ultimately, men do not have to become disempowered. Um, but for some, there could be a struggle and in, 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 in learning how to navigate that phase. And again, due to uh, due to the transitional phase, there can be some insecurity or confusion. And that's where men really can help each other get through that together and get clarity. Yeah, I know a lot of our society, um, what do I wanna say? It instills a certain picture of what masculine dominance needs to look like and that masculine should be dominant even. Um, in, from your own journeys, how did you work through that paradigm into a more, what do I want to say, balanced, stable relationship where you're embracing all of yourself? <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, oh, go ahead, Jonathan. Like I was just going to say, when I was in, 
you know, I was a, uh, played soccer and hockey when I was a kid, so I was a pretty mild-mannered young man, but when I got on the hockey rink, I transformed, you know, I was <laughs> very aggressive, and it was the one place, because I'm not tall, but it was the one place where I could exert my uh, influence, even being small on the ice, you can do a lot. So, um, so, but it was interesting at that time because I didn't know that was in me, you know, and that amount of aggression that was coming out. And as I got into uh, different arenas of healing and yoga, and then a little bit later in my 20s, more into sort of deep inner work, um, I discovered parts of me that I really didn't even know existed. You know, some of the rage and the anger and the and that energy that I believe I had repressed subconsciously. And I, I, I come from the, from the perspective of previous lifetimes, and I then did some work around that and realized that I had polarized to the other side. I'd become sort of a pacifist yes. and rejected my a certain aspect of my male energy. And so after that, there was a process of integrating that. And... Um, and, you know, that, that took a few years. Not, I mean, the process continues, but really acknowledging it, really working with it, and then having an appreciation of the balance of the, the male and the female in, in, in everyone, really. Excellent. Magic, what, what was your journey through that like? Uh, I love hearing what Jonathan shared because, of course, I have some similarities and some, some ways that I experienced similar things. One of the things that that I experienced was that my father and, and his father really carried a lot of what I would call toxic masculinity and a lot of repressed and, and, and even unconscious anger at the feminine. And I grew up in that and I took that on. And as I got into my twenties, I started to notice it in the culture as well, coming out in all kinds of unconscious ways. So one of the things that I took on was a, a conscious journey of being with, deepening into, loving, and eventually emptying and clearing my gender anger. And it, it, most of us carry in our own lifetime as well as from generations and, and history of anger and divisiveness and challenge between the genders that comes out unconsciously in our relationships both with you know, bosses and sisters and girlfriends and partners and, and everyone. And so I went into that very consciously. I want to feel this. I want to track this. I want to source this. And I want to bring my loving presence to it and be with it so that it can heal and resolve and empty. So that, that felt like a really important part of my journey. Um, I remember uh, being in a workshop where there was an exercise designed around this where you got partnered up with a person and the whole circle, this was a Native American ceremony, surrounded and held space while the, the female in front of me played the role of all females of all time in all of history. And then I just went off with <laughs> such deep, deep stuff from who knows where. And I was different from that. And I practiced that ongoingly. The other quick practice I want to share is I just have practiced since I was in my 20s, sharing fears and thoughts and emotions that feel frightening to share with others, and especially women. I used to practice this at least once a day. Can I track something that I'm afraid to share? 
I've noticed that a lot of men have a lot of fears that women are not aware often that they have. And there's these assumptions that are going on in the relationship where women sometimes assume a man is being in, in toxic masculinity, which he, which he may be, but really what's going on is he's afraid or he's in pain. Yeah. And if I could get to that fear of pain and share that, suddenly we felt connected instead of divided. And I felt more whole and more present and more alive. We almost always came closer together. So that was like a, a very uncomfortable at first and very yeah. difficult practice <laughs> that, I, that I challenged myself to do on a daily basis. That's beautiful. How about you, Rudy? What was your, uh, what was your journey through that? You know, so I was, I was born into a very toxic uh, environment being in South Africa. So it was very classist, racist. Um, there were so many gaps put on everybody and, and you had to behave or act a certain way. Uh, and I would say to you, my greatest stretch was my mother always raised me to just have an open heart and to love and to share. But I compartmentalized that so i was like that at home but everywhere else i had to be a certain way and i was short slam but a short guy so i have short man syndrome and that carried with me but it wasn't until i i uh, met my wife where she gave me permission to just be me and i was uh given permission to express myself and to have feelings and to cry when i watch a movie and to honestly own that I love reading every Nicholas Sparks book that's ever been written, right? And, and not to be ashamed of it, but to celebrate it. So that was really my journey. Yeah, that's beautiful. It can be really, really challenging. We are already up on our first break, if you can believe it or not. And if you're out there joining us today in listener land, uh, I would like to invite you to do th two things. Uh, first of all, during the break, there will be a number where you can call in if you have a question around this topic of toxic masculinity and how we begin to unravel this in our, in our own personal lives and then in wider society, I would love for you to call in and, and ask one of those questions. Uh, and then the other thing I'd like to invite you to do is spend a little time with your pen and your paper and think about the interactions that you've had around toxic masculine activities and things that have happened, events, whatever. Uh, spend some time thinking around that and looking at it from all the perspectives because it's very simple for us to look at somebody who's exhibiting a certain behavior and go, oh, well, that's a bad, wrong, or, or a misguided person. Uh, spend some time perhaps stepping into the shoes on the other side. And hang with us. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. In a Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. 
We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at innerrealmmagazine.com. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm still here with my amazing panelist, Rudy Rickstein, Jonathan Glass, and Magic Bernstein. And uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, kind of your personal journeys through the, the masculine dominance that you're raised with typically as young men. Uh, but let's talk about what healthy male energy looks like and where is that line where where does it start to tip over into toxicity i could i could jump in on this i i I think that um as i was saying on break this is really important to kind of define like what is toxic masculinity and and what it what isn't it and what do we do if we discover that we're in it yeah. And uh, uh, my definition of it is very broad in general. It's, it's any thing that we've been taught that this is what we're supposed to be as a man, mm. like really anything, whether it's good or bad, because it's, it's, it's actually conditioning rather than being our, our fullest authentic selves embodied and heart centered in which we're not going to be in that, or we may be aware of it and then we can share it and work with it. So that's what I find that like when men are attempting to not show any weakness and, mm-hmm. and to just be strong. You know, if, 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 if someone listening has that, where you feel like you can't show your weakness, you have to always be strong, you have to be powerful, or you have to be in control, that, that's an indicator that you might have a wound there. Mm-hmm. And so when we have that kind of indicator, and, and you may get reflections from the outside world, or you may just be able to feel it inside yourself. And so... To me, the, the kind of panacea for toxic masculinity is vulnerability. Mm. So it, it doesn't matter whether you're controlling or aggressive or condescending or withholding or emotionally unavailable or all these, those are all different ways that toxic masculinity can show up, but they're all covering 
the fear or the conditioning away from vulnerability. So my way through is always to be vulnerable either with myself, which is to drop into and just feel, oh, I'm feeling like I need to control. Let me actually just feel that. Mm. Let me be with that. That's a, a vulnerability with self that can bring consciousness and allow someone to possibly see where it comes from and allow it to begin to heal. Our loving presence with our feelings heals. It's, it's very powerful. And then the vulnerability with others, you know, to say to someone, you know, I notice that I'm feeling controlling right now, or I'm feeling like being aggressive. I don't know why, I don't know where it comes from, but I want to name it. That's a very vulnerable thing to do. And it will tend to, to, to prime the pump of a conversation that mm -hmm. can build intimacy rather than uh, destroy it. I, I'm, I want to take this one, one little baby step farther because I've got my fair share of male clients and we tend to, my approach is to follow, you know, what's going on in your body? What are you feeling where? Um, and I've run into men who literally don't know. They've like been so entrained to just ignore it, push it aside, press on regardless, that just trying even to connect into what's feeling going on in their physical feelings, let alone their emotional feelings is a challenge. How do you start to crack that nut if somebody's in that place where it's like, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm agitated, but I really don't know what's happening. You want me to continue or yeah. you, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, well, so for me, I've, I've developed a, a methodology called the oneness method that I've been working with people in for maybe 20 years ish. And what I do is take people out of the idea that they're looking for an emotion or that they're looking, they're looking for controlling or they're looking for fear because that's an abstract concept to yeah. some men. And it's more, can you drop in and just notice what are the sensations that are occurring in your body? And if they're really disconnected, I start with the physical. Because mm -hmm. most people can feel their physical bodies. They can feel there's a pain or there's an ache. And then from there, I will start to help them realize that what they're calling pain has nuances to it. It has hot or cold or dense or light. It's moving or still. There's tension or or. or, or you know, airiness. And when they start to get those kinds of nuances, then I can start to have them search. Well, what other nuanced sensations do you feel in your body that may not be pain, but just might be some other sensation and you don't know what it is, but it's there. And that's kind of the back door into them feeling their energy body and their emotional body without the barrier of it being that. Like they, because yeah. all of our emotions and physicality are, are in sensations in the body. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. So I, I just wanted to add, if uh, you know, I, I love everything you just said, Magic, and you get to experience what you do in a completely different setting because what, what I'm doing is, is working with personalities in a boardroom. And I work yes. with a lot of very successful individuals and many of them are millionaires and billionaires and, and they have boards of directors and they have a certain facade. And, and extremely what, driven in type A. <laughs> yes. And what's interesting, though, is, you know, when we talk about the masculine toxicity, we're talking about it in men. And I get to see female leaders leading in the same way. And so what's changing, uh, thankfully, back, but 
But to start to see men and women in that setting behave the way that men have been conditioned to behave is, is really interesting observation. And, you know, something that, that I do to try and help create that shift is what my wife had done for me that we mentioned right before the break, and that's giving somebody the permission. And so it's so interesting to watch somebody that is a very commanding, strong, very, very dominant male controlling figure have a closed door conversation with somebody where they can talk about their feelings. And what I find is when given the opportunity to do so, it's amazing how quickly they unravel and what comes out and they are desperate to have the ability to have that place where they feel safe, where they can share. And, and then it's trying to get them to do that outside of that little comfort zone and to, to share the vulnerability, you know, with their board or with their teams and getting them to do it. And so that truly has been a beautiful, beautiful um, experience to get to see. And I wish more, more leaders would, uh, would take ownership of that. Can you give me an example of giving someone permission to be vulnerable like that? So I had a call this morning with a high level executive of a very big organization and they had to terminate somebody that was uh, very influential within the organization. And they had to terminate the person because they weren't doing uh, they weren't in agreement with what is the company culture. They'd made some some inappropriate email decisions. And without giving away too much information, uh, typically this is something that would be very quickly addressed, swept under the rug, and nobody would speak about it. And uh, through a weekend of going through from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, as it built up to this morning's decision, uh, we got the leader to address the entire company and just to say this was the decision that went into it this is how we feel that people are really important that made me feel this way i am extremely sad and just spoke about feelings ripple effects you know what it means to the organization we need to take a moment to regroup and it was just truly having vulnerability in the act of what had to happen acknowledging there was a mourning process but also allowing people to see behind the curtain and so often leaders feel that if they share anything other than this is the action and move forward, that they're going to be perceived uh, as a weakness, whereas in actuality, it's, it's, it's taken on as a strength. And, and we find that when leaders can execute with this fashion, their teams have more confidence, more faith, more trust in them. They work harder for them. They want to stay committed longer. And in actuality, when we look at the reality of what happened, it was a beautiful transition because they were standing for the people, for the teams, for the guy at the very end of the line was the one that was being su supported. And nobody would have known that. They would have missed an opportunity to, to be able to share that. That's beautiful. Beautiful. So, Jonathan, talk to me about masculine energy and where, is, where does it eventually tip over into toxic? Yeah, well, first I'll just address a little bit about, because I'm so interested in hearing, you know, the different uh, angles at which we, we come at this with. So <clears throat> um, I, I, I often see through the lens of the sort of the Ayurvedic yoga lens and the, the nature of the self is, has a quality, three qualities, being, awareness, and you could call it bliss or love or some kind of um, inner, inner, inner happiness. So when I work with people and with the Jivatma energy healing, I'm working with those energies. So first, it's, 
it's, it's having inherent trust in the reality that we all have the capacity to be. And I, I just call it beingness energy. So that beingness energy can include feelings. And it mm -hmm. does include feelings. And that's where the awareness comes in. So, so there's a way of, of channeling the beingness energy and then adding more awareness to that. And, and once we do that, we get in touch with our inner world, our inner feelings. And ultimately, as that continues to go deeper, even if there's an element of discomfort, uh, the word ananda, which means bliss, starts to come up too at the simultaneously. So it's quite a paradox when somebody is simultaneously feeling scared, even close to terrified, but increasing their beingness and their awareness. And at the same time, feeling an uprising of life energy coming through them, which actually gets translated into a certain type of, of, of inner uh, satisfaction and happiness. So <clears throat> I think the toxicity really comes in from this paradigm when we don't give ourselves permission to be with what is. Mm. And because in, we lay a judgment on what we're actually experiencing and very quickly uh, pivot out of our experience into the judgment and the image and the picture to polarize away from what's actually happening. Um, and there's a, a lot of different reasons for that. Um, but there's a very, but the very simple practice of being in that space with people. So when I'm working with people, a lot of times I'm just encouraging that energy of beingness. And I have a lot of faith in being in that space with people and allowing, it's like there's a word booty, the innate intelligence of life itself, just to reveal what's meant to come up. And it's, it's not really an efforting or a digging process at that moment. Uh, it's more of an allowing process. So when there's judgment of that, then very quickly we can derail and that can manifest in all different varieties of toxicity. Because judgment means I'm, I'm judging an experience uh, because it's too, in my mind, it's too difficult just to be with it. So mm -hmm. I'd rather judge something uh, than, than be present with it. But the reality is when we're present with it, it almost always turns into some kind of bliss, even mm -hmm. if it's a challenge, even if yeah. it's a difficult uh, situation. Well, and sometimes, especially if it's a difficult situation, when you transform it, the, it seems like the bliss on the other side is in some way proportional to what you went through to reach it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know there are plenty of women out there who, what do I want to say? We, we support our men. We try and inspire our men and encourage our men to be the best that they can be. How do you best support your guy if he's running a lot of machismo and tends to step over that toxic line? How, how best to support and encourage him into a new pattern? Oh. Well, female, my experience with the feminine and just to generalize like the women that I've been with, that's my experience is that they, they tend to be tracking uh, what's happening. Uh, better than than I am, 
And so if they, if, if a woman that I'm with sees that I'm in that machismo that you're talking about, one of the effective ways that I've just found in, in personal experience is for them to, to name what it is that they're tracking. So mm. just, to, just to say, you know, Magic, I feel like I'm tracking that you might be feeling a little insecure or vulnerable at the moment or that your um, bravado or whatever it is could be covering or masking something. I don't know what's really going on. That's an important piece, not to mm-hmm. not, not for the woman to act like she knows because right. she doesn't don't know. judge no or assume. Knows, yeah, right? exactly. But just to say, hey, I, I feel like I might be tracking something. I'm making up that I, I, I'm, I'm having this sense that and I want to check in with you and see if you're willing to check in with yourself to see if there's anything underneath there that I, I might be sensing that would be valuable for us to explore together in this moment. Are you willing to slow down? Which is, which is a really important piece because we're usually like operating at lightning speed in this fast paced <laughs> world where we have to get stuff done and uh, the world is busy. And so that's the other piece is to like really invite the man. Like, do you have a moment when you can drop out of your to-do list and all the things you got to take care of and, and actually be present with me for a moment while I share something that's vulnerable for me to share. Right. Right. It's vulnerable for me to share what I'm seeing. Are you, are you able to receive right now? Are you in a space where you can receive something? Can we drop in for a moment? Can I offer you a reflection for you to check in with and see if there's anything there? Yeah. So it's creating a safe space for the man to be able to be vulnerable because that's what she is inviting him into is vulnerability. So, I mean, and I'm not, I don't want to put any, I don't want to say the responsibility is on the woman because it's not, it's the man's <laughs> responsibility, right? But the question was, if a female wanted to contribute to this, then, then this is a way that she could show up that would help create a safe space. Yeah. I, I find in partnership with my own guy uh, that he has moments when he can receive these things and he has moments when he cannot. And right. I, I've learned to take note of when those moments are and are not. Intelligent. <laughs> yes. Intelligent. Absolutely. Very smart. So, uh, Jonathan, do you have any advice around that? For women, this is for women. Advice for, for women, women. yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to support my guy. <laughs> and of course, I, I don't want to step over you here, but it could be yeah. for a man too, who, yeah, who wants, absolutely, who, who's, who's dealing with another man who's being machismo or toxic, a son or a father or yeah. whatever, yeah. Right. Um, yes. Interesting. So what's coming to mind, I was going to kind of go with what's coming to mind, is how frequently, for example, in my practice, um, I'll have, say, a female client who, you know, she's venting, but she's sort of venting about how her husband doesn't get her or get her feelings you know, and doesn't slow down enough. And then, and then I'm looking at the picture of reality and in many situations, at least where I, in this situation that I'm thinking of, um, you know, I'm thinking of this one situation that doesn't have to be common because women are often working a great deal too. But in this situation, I'm thinking of this, the man is working so much and taking, so in other words, the relationship has polarized to, He's working so much 
and she's dealing with the innuendos more of the kids and the family than driving and stuff like that. So they're doing very different worlds. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the issue is, is really not appreciating and tapping into what is the world like for that other person. Yes. And rather than, you know, because there, you know, whether we like it or not, in almost every relationship, we end up taking on roles. And those roles can certainly change. And they can, you know, they can flip too. But that's the yin and yang nature of life where, you know, one's doing this and one's doing that. And like I said, it can flip. But as long as we're not um, sort of entering into the other person's role and appreciating where they're coming from and meeting them where they're at, then it's going to be much less likely that we can nourish that person and support that person to be present. Because, you know, as we're all, you know, as powerful as we are, we're all somewhat fragile too, and we all want to be appreciated and we all want to be seen. So if we're not willing to appreciate and see in an authentic way, you know, the, the challenge of being that person, then mm-hmm. it's much less likely we're going to get the rapport that we're looking for and the shift in awareness and, and uh, sharing of love and affection between each other. Absolutely. So. Rudy, what are your insights on this particular topic? So being a master mindset coach, I'm always trying to encourage people to celebrate and stack successes. So if you're trying to change a belief, you're trying to change a pattern, you're trying to change a thought or a feeling, what you need to do is, is reward and or celebrate when the behavior is the way that you would like to see the direction in which the behavior is going. And so if I was speaking to uh, somebody about wanting to celebrate a man feeling uh, in a position where he can be vulnerable, where he can drop his guard, where he no longer needs to play the part that he's been playing, uh, it would be to celebrate it. And an example of that would be if a man was watching a movie and he tears up or cries, that instead of it being like, what's wrong with you? Like really, or making fun or poking fun, right. that it's, it's a moment where as an example, my wife, I'll never forget when we were dating, turned to me and we were watching a movie and she turned to me and she said to me, oh my gosh, are you crying? And I said, yes. She says, that's the sexiest thing I think I've ever seen. And I sat there <laughs> embarrassed and then embarrassed turned to, well, I mean, put in the notebook. We can really take this up a notch. There's more of that. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, if, if, that if from, this right? is going to bring her. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I remember a conversation that she had right before our wedding. It was days before our wedding and my family had come in and, and she was talking to my two brothers and I, and she just said, you know, I've never in my life experienced men that can so openly say, I love you, can so openly talk about their feelings. And then at first she would say, oh, it must be South African men because Americans aren't like this, right? Because that was her vantage point. <laughs> and, and it's not because look at the beautiful men we're talking to this evening and the conversations that we're having. And, and it is possible, but it all starts with somebody first giving us the ability and the permission to be able to do that so we can grow that and expand that further and further. Because the moment you do, my experience has, has shown me that, you know, we have a willingness to because we want to. Deep down inside, we're all people. We're all wanting to express ourselves in the most beautiful, miraculous ways. 
We haven't either been shown or given permission to do it. And I think the responsibility in relationships falls on both parties, but somebody's got to take the first step. And if you've been conditioned your whole life to, you know, boys don't cry mentality, it's really hard to get that person to take the first step. Yeah, that's for sure. So let's kind of shift a tiny bit into the vulnerability aspect of it. Um, how was it for you initially when you started open up and being vulnerable? And did that experience of vulnerability shift to something different uh, as you leaned into it? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead if you don't mind and, and say that I hope that this serves as an example for so many people because I compartmentalized my my life and I alluded to that earlier. I would have vulnerability moments with certain people and then with other people, I, I behaved the way I believed I needed to behave. And when I started to create that shift, I started to see the quality of the relationships that I would have as an example with my brothers or with my family or then with my uh, girlfriend and then fiance and then wife. And I then noticed that there was a massive difference in how people responded to me in a work environment versus the way people responded to me in say friendships or in my marriage. And then it started to expand into work. And when I started seeing the relationships change into work, you know, people started sending emails that, that were addressed to, you know, dear Rudy, love Mark. I mean, where do you see that in a business environment? And it <laughs> yeah, was exactly. Not warm regards, but <laughs> no. And it really was. It was much love. Appreciate you, brother. And it was truly just a beautiful experience to be able to see. Um, but if, to answer the question, I saw the stark contrast in the quality relationships I had, where I wasn't showing up, I wasn't being vulnerable. I believe that people have uh, the ability to feel. If we're talking truly now about who we are, we feel we have all these different receptors to be able to pick up information. And when somebody's talking to you and they say the right thing and they're doing the right thing, but there's incongruence in how they feel, right? They need to have the feelings, the actions, and the words all need to be mirrored. And you're not going to be able to get that. You're not going to be able to foster that quality relationship if you're not showing up fully as a person with vulnerability, with true feelings, with true expression. And when we do that, we create coherence, not only within ourselves, our mind, our body, but also within the relationships that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know one of the things that will hold people back uh, from being completely vulnerable is they're concerned about losing respect of other people. Um, how do you negotiate that line? Was that at me? That's at you, yes. So. I, I'm going to challenge every single uh, man that is listening to this or, or any woman that feels that she has to practice uh, the opposite of this uh, that I'm going to suggest in business because it's how it is right now. It's that when you start to show the vulnerability, when you start to show what has always been perceived as a weakness, uh, you're going to really see that people respond to you uh, with that as a strength. And the more that people start to respond to you with respect, with kindness, with love, with compassion, the more you're going to be encouraged. We're talking about stacking successes again. The more you're going to be encouraged to, to do it. And the next time you're going to be a little more vulnerable. And it's not vulnerable, meaning I don't like the way that meeting went and I feel like no one's listening to me. But instead saying, you know, the words you used today were very hurtful to me. The way I feel was that, you know, my experience of you is that you don't respect me. And having that kind of conversation, not accusatory, but saying, I feel like 
you don't respect me. What have I done that would lend itself to you not respecting me and allowing for dialogue, allowing for conversation to start to flow. And that's where the healing and the transformation and the new level of power truly comes in. And I know I'm, I'm trying to be very short and, and concise for the benefit of time, but I hope that that, uh, I hope that, that lands. Yes, thank you. Um, Jonathan, did you have something you wanted to put in? Yeah, I, just, I, I really like what you're saying, Rudy, so much. I really, I'm, I'm learning a lot and appreciating what you're saying. Um, and it's, it's reminding me of um, teaching, for example. Um, I've been doing quite a bit of teaching lately to different groups of people and um, I'm finding that I've really enjoyed um, holding both the space of I'm holding the space for this educational experience. I am the leader, okay, I'm the teacher, so that you could say that's the, the male dynamic, but at the same time, I'm just being myself. And I'm also giving permission to not know everything. And I don't have to be, you know, the expert, even though I'm holding the space as being the leader. You know, so there's this sort of, because in, the, in my old thinking, it would be, okay, if I don't hold the space, if I don't really show that I am the expert and I know everything, then what right do I have to be the leader or hold the space as the teacher? But, I, but it's okay, I can, I can still hold that space. And even if someone is trying to, you know, disturb the space, I'm still, it's all still okay for me to say, no, that's not okay for you to disturb the space for everyone else, even if I'm an, I'm an imperfect teacher. Or if I don't know, even if there's someone in the group that knows more than I do about something, whatever the subject I'm teaching, it's still okay. And to, and to let people know that somehow, that, that to me, that's a, a very interesting uh, dynamic of yin and yang, where you can hold the space, you can be in charge, and at the same time, you can uh, reveal vulnerability at the same time. And I think that's really, I, I'm really enjoying exploring that. And there's also a little bit of, I don't know if I call it detachment, or I'm more willing to be myself than to, uh, and, and maybe lose something, or lose someone, or lose a deal, or whatever it is, or lose a student, then give up my sense of being more authentic, mm. you know, or as authentic as I possibly can be. So, I mean, it's certainly a process, but that's, that's where I'm at right now. That's beautiful. How about you, Magic? What's your experience around vulnerability? I love what both of these gentlemen said, and... Um, this is great. And I want to build a little bit on, on what, um, what Rudy said and, and bring in a, my own experience, which was very powerful to me back to my practice where I took on this practice that I'm going to share something every day, one thing with one person that I'm afraid to share. Mm. When I look at that, the reason that I was afraid to share it is because I've made up what I think the response is going to be from the other person. And it's usually mm. in my mind, rejection, judgment, ostracized, <laughs> the relationship ends, laughed mm -hmm. at, uh, something like that, right? Right. And what's incredibly powerful was and is so potent to me to this day, all the way back to 25, 30 years ago when I started this practice is that 95% of the time, 
when I share something vulnerable with another person, what they tell me next is not what I expected. They are not thinking what I thought they would think. They are not doing what I thought they would do. They usually are vulnerable themselves. You know, I might share like if it's a, if it's a woman, like, wow, you know, I just want to share with you that I'm, I'm really kind of afraid right now because I like you. And I'd be terrified that that would make me look weak. And then they, they say something back like, oh, well, I like you too. Or, oh, I'm terrified also. Or something vulnerable themselves that brings us together. And uh, I, I love what Rudy said because I've been in the business world. I was on the board of an organization called Young Entrepreneurs Organization. I had a global ad agency um, I've had a lot of business experience and in the business world as well, I practiced this and I had the president of the region of one of the largest companies in the world come into my office and we had a really challenging experience and I shared, I'm frightened. I'm afraid of loss. I'm afraid I'm going to lose everything I built here. I was vulnerable. And the, the reality is there are occasionally times when it's not received well. And, and in that moment, I, he might not have perceived me as coming from strength, but as I continue to talk to him and go back to him and be vulnerable and share, he found my humanity opened him up to his own and took mm -hmm. him out of this mental place where he was treating me in a way that wasn't commensurate with our hearts. So I'm like Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I lead from that place. And if someone doesn't follow, well, that tells me something about the relationship. It might not actually be one that I want to be in. Yes. And 95% of the time, I find that the response I get is, is that we get closer. And so if, if I can leave the viewer with this one takeaway, it's I invite you to take on a practice like that where you make it a daily or every other day or a weekly practice to share something vulnerable, maybe something small. And just notice how what you think the response is going to be is, is most of the time not what it was and that you will feel closer, more intimate, your heart will be more open, more connected, more love is possible and, and probable when you do that. I just want to add to that because that was incredible is that for the listener, the number one driver in connection between people is vulnerability. The number yes. one driver is vulnerability. Yes. And uh, I think that's a beautiful message to leave them with. And then another thought that was coming to me was it's not about being perfectly vulnerable. You know, it's not, yes. we can't do it wrong. If we just, <laughs> if we lean into it, I've been telling people, you know, lately, if you can just lean into it 10%, 20%, it's not like you have to, you know, yeah. go 100%. Yeah. If you're just leaning into it, that can make all the difference Absolutely. in the world. You know, so. Thank you so much, you guys. This is an amazing note Thank to wrap this up on. I appreciate everyone who showed up today to participate with us in this show. We love you. You can contact me at AskZofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A, at transformationspace.co. And you can reach any of these amazing gentlemen by going to sovereignself.media. Their contact information will be up at the top of the page, as well as the offerings that they have available if you'd like to dig deeper with them on any level. Their information is out there for you. So thank you for being with us today. And until next week, go out and live soul first.
Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week right here.